0: Welcome
1: back to Talking Out Loud. Absolutely great to have you on this very first day of college basketball season. This episode is recorded and brought to you on Wednesday, November 25th, the day before Thanksgiving, which conveniently is the day that we are finally starting the 2020 basketball season. It's been a long drive or a long road since uh, March 13th when the season was canceled But we've made it, Flyers fans. So I thank you for joining the program. Lots to talk about tonight. We get into the scheduling problems and lack thereof, uh, the rules that have gone behind it, and then... Later on tonight, we're going to do some trivia, and then we're going to talk about uh, the UD schedule as it stands today and the season coming up here. So before we get into it, great time to remind you that this episode is brought to you by our friends at Sherholtz Printing. You might have heard me talk about them before. They're family owned and operated since 1974, located in Kettering, servicing the entire Miami Valley. If it's printed, they can help design, pre-press, offset, digital printing, bindery and fulfillment, even promotional products, they make printing simple, and if it's printed, they'll do it, and they'll make you look good. Again, servicing the entire Miami Valley, and you can find them at sureholzprinting.com, S-C-H-U-E-R-H-O-L-Z-printing.com, or 937-294-5218, and they are bringing you this episode that starts right now.
0: Yo, the hall, somebody get a shot up at the...
1: Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere, the only podcast on the internet, continuously reminding you to wear red and be loud.
0: Hey, here come the Flyers. Hey, here come the Flyers.
1: Welcome back for another hour of Talking Out Loud, the most intelligent Dayton basketball podcast conversation anywhere on the internet. I'm your host, Sully, joined today by my longtime colleague, first time, I believe, on the rebranded program Talking Out Loud. I'm talking about the godfather of Dayton blogging himself, Mr. Blackburn, live from New York City, recording today on Wednesday, November 25th. How you doing today, bud? I know it's been a little bit of a a time since you've been in the saddle podcasting
2: time off. Yeah, I took about seven months off.
1: Uh, <laughs> you got your head rate. Right.
2: Yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm just glad to say that I knew you went. You know, I knew you went.
1: <laughs> now look at us, mom. Now look at us. <laughs> look at us. Who would have thought we were here? Not, not us. Not me. <laughs> it's uh, it's great to be here on uh, the the day that college basketball returns. I didn't. I really didn't think that that we would get here. It's at certain points during the off season. Uh, and I'm sure you felt the same way, did you not?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, seeing what's going on with college football, um, especially, like, as you know, the past two weeks, they're, they're seeing a lot more cancellations and postponements. So th- the natural inclination is to think that that's going to roll over into college basketball, and it has uh, to, a, to a smaller smaller degree. I mean, you got, what, I think the Duke game is canceled, Creighton, Tennessee, uh, Oregon. Richmond in the A-10 is canceled tomorrow, or at least postponed. So, I mean, it's going to be an issue all year. Um, and who knows? By December, we might have basketball, or we might all be eating each other. We just don't know yet.
1: We don't know. And honestly, we've talked about this a few times on the show, obviously uh, opening up quickly tonight with um, COVID and how it's affecting college basketball. It's not really the virus that's affecting college basketball, and I think that's an important distinction to make right now. What's really holding up the sport is the rules and regulations and protocols that go around the virus. And specifically what I mean by that is we just saw a a couple hours ago last night That there was a team that had a, they were testing every other day. I don't remember the team off the top of my head, but they were about to play in one of these Thanksgiving tournaments. And since the players are being tested so often, a false positive came up. Now, the minute you have a positive test right now in college basketball, they are saying that you need to shut down. You need to contact trace everybody. And the program should be in a quarantine for 14 days. That is the protocol that's going to kill people because what ended up happening in this particular situation was that the false positive was sniffed out. They had two more tests, I think two days uh, after that, and they tested out of it with three consecutive tests. But yet here we are, they're still saying you got to shut down the program. You got to quarantine. And that's what really is going to hold up college basketball as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday and beyond because You know, Blackburn, I think I I speak for both of us here and just saying it's just such an overreaching measure that, you know, I think really what college basketball should do is take a step back and probably model what the NFL did. Now, the problem with that is the NFL schedule kind of lends itself to all the things that they did. Um, Specifically for myself, we had to deal with this. I'm a Steelers fan. Ben Roethlisberger had a contact tracing type of issue, so they held him out of the facility for four days. In a football schedule it's really easy to do you hold out from monday tuesday wednesday thursday if you're testing negative by friday you're back in the game plan boom games on sunday college basketball obviously doesn't have that luxury because we're playing every four days we're possibly playing twice three times in a weekend i mean Blackburn, I don't think it's a crazy thing to say that this is such an overreaching measure that it could derail the season in its own if it's not changed quickly.
2: Well, for sure. And I don't know if there's consistency across conferences either. I mean, as you know, not yet. I mean, yeah, not yet. I mean, I assume the Big Ten will adopt the same 21 day freeze that they have adopted for college football. I don't know that, like, but like you said, that's, you know, you can get away with that in college football because it's spread out, it's once a week. You got, Uh, almost three months of a a three-month window to get all the games in college basketball in 21 days you can miss four or five games and i know the ncaa i think i read this and correct me if i'm wrong they said essentially to have an ncaa eligible resume i think you have to play at least 13 games is that the number they came up with
1: yeah, I believe that's true. You have to play 13 games, and the max number of games you can play, I believe, is 25 right now. 25, correct.
2: And, you know, I, I don't agree with Rick Pitino on a lot of things. His recruiting uh, philosophy, his, the way he dresses, the the places he makes love. But one thing I do agree with is that maybe it is a good idea to kind of push back the season a little bit because we're going through this quote-unquote second wave. You know, we gotta we got to flatten the curve again. So why not push the the, the season back to January and kind of, you know, we'll be in a better place uh, as far as logistically speaking and also medically speaking, Um, it it might be the best way to go about it. And I think, I think he might've been the the catalyst behind the May madness thing, right? Where he He says, right. (laughs) And you know, when I first read it, I was like, you know, because the the fan in me and you know, the, the sociopath, the college basketball sociopath, I wanted to start today. You know, I'm glad we have games today, um, but also at the same time, like you said, it it's kind of rolling the dice doing it this way. And with all the cancellations already, um, I think in the A-10, um, Fordham already had a two-week shutdown, correct, on their program? They did, yeah. Now, I, I find that a little fishy that of all the programs in the A-10, it's the one that's probably not going to win any games about. and it's going <laughs> to lose a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> conducting college basketball business, but you know that's a conspiracy for another day. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I the more I think about it, and you know, it's do you want to try to you know make it? It's a touch and go situation from here into the tournament, or are we better off waiting till the beginning of February or whatever March, however Patino kind of um, designed it, um, and, and that kind of clears away a lot of the problems, I think. But again. Uh, the, the selfish basketball fan of me wants it right now. You know what I mean? What's more American than wanting my way immediately, yeah. no matter oh, what, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but again, like I said, when I first read or at least heard about Patino's proposal, I kind of thought, yeah you know, it, it, there's some kind of, because um, I always think there's ulterior motives here, you know? Um, for instance, sure. you know, over the weekend, um, FSU canceled that game with Clemson, the football game. That was uh, bad. That was a bad move. The, the ACC cleared it, said you guys can go ahead and play, and then on the day of the game, uh, FSU doctor I guess said, "Oh no, it's not safe for our, our guys to play." Now, what FSU is doing is they don't want to get a, their ass kicked, and they don't want to play the game at all because you know they know that that game is never going to be replayed. You know what I mean? Yeah, so,
1: and and even if that is true, if it's not true, like even if you know, there was something serious, like you just open yourself up to that criticism by canceling the game hours before.
2: Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, you're gonna. I think a lot of college football programs, and I have no proof of this, obviously, but I'm just saying, might have used the COVID thing strategically, where it's, hey, we can get an extra week off before the big game, or we can avoid playing. You know, LSU can avoid playing Alabama this year. You know, FSU can avoid playing Clemson. And the the one good thing is you're not going to necessarily see that spill over into college basketball, right? It's You're going to essentially you're playing a conference what a protracted conference schedule this year, you know, at a conference games, as we see with our beloved flyers, there's not going to be a lot of lot of meat on that bone. It's going to be, I guess, uh, teams that are geographically close, I guess, for the for most programs would be the the order of the day, four or five out of conference games before January. I mean, I, I guess that's about it.
1: Well, you would think, and that was the messaging from the NCAA initially, was that right. they were going to try and reduce travel and keep games local. We'll get to that here in a couple of minutes because that was really what I wanted to focus the show on tonight. But if you're sitting there listening to the show saying, you know, it's so far-fetched to, to think that college basketball programs would use COVID as an excuse to get out of games. That is so far-fetched. Well, let me ask you something, listener. <laughs> we've been in, we've been, this is my thing now, Black, you, you, Blackburn, you haven't been on the show for a while. So this is my thing now. You say, I'm going to open up, I'm going to call in Cowherd on everybody. Wait for okay. this, okay? Okay, right, I'm ready. So we are now r- roughly eight months into the pandemic, okay? And you sitting there right now, and Blackburn, I can pose this question to you. How many times in that eight months have you used COVID as an excuse to get out of doing something that you did not want to do?
2: Um, I would say... A handful, four or five times, probably. To be quite honest, I I can think off the the top of my head. I mean, certainly it helps with travel. Travel is the key. If it's like you know, so you know, oh, I can't make, I can't make that barbecue. I can't, you know, uh, I I can't drive. I can't. COVID, COVID. It's like having a a baby now. Everyone's got a baby.
1: It's like. It's like everybody has this get out of jail free card for the things that they didn't want to do before, you know, whether it's like a cousin's cookout or going to your in-laws. It's like, ah, you know what, I got to go to the office this week and I'm going to be seeing people and you just never know with 65 year old bill in accounting. <laughs> like all, you know, you get all these good excuses now because of COVID. So again, I wanted to kind of ask everybody that question internally, because I know about 95% of the people listening to this episode right now have used that exact same you know excuse to get out of doing things. So to think that college basketball programs would not do the exact same thing to get out of scheduling in the non-con, um, it's, it's a little naive of you, okay? And like, it, and so... That was the meat and the bones of what I really wanted to get into tonight was the issue of college basketball scheduling. So if we back up now, we're heading into the Thanksgiving holiday. Obviously, non-con is, is upon us. Um, Dayton at the final hour uh, was able to, to put together a non-con schedule. It's not much, but they got the job done, and they'll, they're going to have enough opportunities to succeed in this non-con. But the reason I wanted to bring it up tonight was that the rhetoric in college basketball initially was that we're going to reduce travel. We're going to get more regional games, more teams locally, and we're going to do the best we can to keep things in a bubble so that teams you know, have the best chance of succeeding and actually having a season. You fast forward to November, and that couldn't have been further from the truth. Not only was it far from the truth, it honestly seems like schools went out of their way to just do things business as normal. And, and I'll give you an example of what we're talking about right now because it's very specific to the Dayton Flyers and their program. I mentioned on the show a couple of weeks ago that Dayton and Ohio State did have conversations about a non-con game. They were short, and Ohio State said, we'll do a one-off game, you come to Columbus, and you play, and that's it. No return trip, no guarantees down the road. And UD said no, and they walked away from the table. You're seeing right now, just in this one example, and again, you would be naive to believe it didn't happen 10, 15 times over, that UD followed the same rules, the same guidelines that they always do in putting together a non-con schedule. The real issue was that that, uh, pool of schools that is so finite that they need to put on their non-con schedule, it got even smaller when you add in COVID. And what I mean by that is, The goal every single year for the University of Dayton in the non-con scheduling is to put together a resume that's not the toughest, it's not the easiest, and it's not even a resume that you would look, or sorry, a schedule that you would look at and be impressed by. The goal is to put together a schedule that can be easily navigated to get to the NCAA tournament, and I am sorry to say, this year was absolutely no different and it wasn't any different for Dayton it wasn't any different for Cincinnati or Xavier or Ohio State or Miami NKU Wright State all the way down the line because OSU and and UD you know came to a hard stop they weren't going to put a game together. And I can absolutely guarantee you the same thing happened between UD and Wright State because UD was not concerned with staying regionally, reducing travel. What they were concerned with is getting a schedule that allowed them the easiest path or the most navigable path to get to the NCAA tournament. And Blackburn, I know that we, we talk about this ad nauseum every year. And I did come on this show a couple of weeks ago and I said, UD is doing everything they can to put a non-con schedule together that makes sense. I was not wrong on that, but I really did feel like maybe this was the year we were going to see some fireworks in the non-con, get a couple of regional games. And you know what? We just ended up with a schedule that kind of resembled all the same rules we talk about, right? Mm -hmm. You don't travel anywhere unnecessarily. Uh, You you get by games, teams that will come get a check and a, a warm meal from UD Arena. And then you have the the programs that big time you while we in turn big time other programs like Right State. Everything we talk about in non-con scheduling happened, and the COVID thing again was just kind of this this thing that they got to hide behind to say it's okay. We'll, we'll do the best we
2: can, and then it all just went out the window, right? Yeah, I mean chaos reigns supreme. You know that's what twenty twenty is. And you know, I, I didn't get to I didn't get to talk to you about this beforehand, but. As far as the Ohio State game goes, I mean, I, I have such, I don't know, I don't know, disappointment, I guess, is the, the easiest word to use here, that, that Dayton didn't agree for, to that game. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I, still, I still don't think Dayton is a program that has that, that kind of standing that it can afford to turn down a game against Ohio State. Um, I, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me logistically or even for, especially for the schedule. Um, I just don't understand why you would turn down that game. I understand. Look, you go to the bar, the table and, you know, Ohio state's got the barking power, but sometimes that's the way it is. And sometimes you're not going to get, you know, one for one, you're not going to get them to return to the arena and that's okay. I mean, we, we've talked to, so you and I have talked about this for years about how Gonzaga did it, right? They made the blueprint, anybody, anytime, any place. And that's what they did.
1: Xavier did it. Xavier did it. Exactly. And they go that's, play anybody.
2: That's, 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 that's a blueprint. You, know, you want to be known as a program that's willing to go on the road and play the Power 5. Or I guess, have have we officially made it the Power 8 or Power 9 now? Is that official? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: there, there's been countless uh, thought pieces in the off season about why we need to get rid of the Power 6 or 7 or whatever. Right. I, I don't care. It's easier for me on radio to say Power Conferences because everybody knows what I'm talking about.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It, We're not one of them. All right. <laughs> And and that's what I'm saying. And I understand what you're you're saying with with the COVID. That was kind of disappointment, right? I mean, in the beginning, everybody was pitching these ideas where it's well in Ohio. Obviously, it makes sense for Cincinnati, Ohio State, Xavier, and Dayton to go to, uh, uh you know, someplace in Ohio and conduct essentially a round robin. You know, that was yeah. the idea. And then, but again, there's money at play here. There's other things at stake. Um, and it, it just didn't pan out that way. And as you as you know we heard was it yesterday Alcorn State is now making a visit to Dayton Ohio right <laughs> yeah. so I mean, again that given all given all we know and everything we think we know a school like Alcorn State traveling to come get their ass kicked by Dayton on December 1st of this year makes absolutely zero sense other than the 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 financial aspect of of the relationship correct
1: Well, I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Like, this is exactly the type of game we would have scheduled in a normal year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and you absolutely, you know, and once they announced the Alcorn State game, you know, I have kind of held punches as far as like how much I'm willing to discuss on the scheduling front. And and I even came on last week and I said, you know, if you're going to bitch about the scheduling this year, like, you're a dolt. And, And we're really not doing that. We're not bitching about the scheduling. I'm merely highlighting the fact that none of the things were done that that people said they were going to do this year, you know, because if you, if you want to take a step back, I mean, all the fans got riled up for these regional rivalries, right? Right. What would have been easier than going to an empty arena in Columbus an empty arena in Dayton. You could even go, they still have that crappy arena in, in Cincinnati and the U S bank. That's still there, right? Yep. You can go to any one of those arenas. They're completely empty. You could have brought in all the local schools. There's what, like eight of them, yep. put them in a bubble for like a week and then they're good to go. You have a negative test. Fine. Wait the week test out of it. Go on. So, What I am basically getting to in the long way that I like to get to my points here on the radio is that you cannot possibly tell me as a college athletic department that you did everything you could to have the best possible schedule. You can't tell me that you didn't do everything you could. You stood behind the same unspoken rules that we come on this program and complain about, and that's perfectly fine. But what I'm really getting fed up with in COVID times from athletic departments and college athletics is saying things and then doing the complete opposite. I don't think that it's really that much to ask for from college athletic departments to simply be transparent. You know, I, like the fans of the Dayton Flyers program, we really don't go that deep. And we really don't go that deep outside the region. You know, if you're outside the region of Dayton, you're probably an alumni that's tuned into what's going on. And I really just don't think it's much to ask for fans of the program to just get some transparency. Now, this year has been a little bit different, obviously. The point being, you just can't sit here and tell me now that you tried everything because you didn't. You simply tried to get a schedule that we could navigate to get the NCAA tournament. And let me reiterate, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Just don't feed me bull. And it feels like the fans have been... They've been fed a bunch of bull over the last couple of months, to be
2: honest with you. And, uh, man, that's why I'm a little bit fired up, you know? Yeah, calm down a little bit, man. It's 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 what, 6 <laughs> o'clock? Yeah. What else, <laughs> it's too yeah, early. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just,
1: I'm fired oh, up, man. <laughs> I yeah. just, you know, I, as I'm, like, looking through the non-con, I thought about it today you know, that was the thing that stood out to me the most. And the A-10 was the same way. And hopefully, you know, when we interview the commissioner here in a few weeks, I can ask her some candid questions about when it went into that process. But, you know, I'm kind of getting to the point where I know what the answer is going to be. And it's that they just kind of threw it out and put together a schedule that was going to make some money. And, and that's exactly what the A-10 did. And I'm sure that Dayton kind of followed the same blueprint is like, how do we save our ass in the best way? And how do we put ourselves in the best position to get to the NCAA tournament? Because if you were doubting that that's the ultimate goal every year in any capacity, this year should have told you that every year, the only goal for the athletic department at UD is to put together a non-con schedule that will get them to the NCAA tournament. And, that, you know, that's fine. It's fine. I think it's fine.
2: Do you mean in, in this sense that, because I just want to clarify, that. get them in the NCAA tournament because... They're going to put up, you know, stereotypically they put up what a ten and three non-con mark, some you know in a good year eleven and two, sometimes nine and four. Or are you saying they're going to play enough quality? They're going to have enough quality opponents to build a somewhat decent mid-major record resume.
1: Yeah. So, in clarification, so the the athletic director for the University of Dayton, Neil Sullivan, um, I've spoken with him directly before. He said this. Yeah, exactly. My cousin. Yeah, um, we're not related. I, we're too official on the radio now. I can't have I can't have radio listeners and no thinking that we're cousins. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I'm not, I can't do rumors anymore. Yeah, all right. Uh, no satire, fun. satire, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So he's been fairly public about saying that the the goal is to get to about twenty four wins. Um, 24, 25 wins is always going to get you in, right? And less the single digit loss column, right? Um, And and that's typically going to get you right on that bubble every year, especially in the A-10. So if you keep that in mind, you have to scale it back a little bit because of of the circumstances we're playing less games. But UD right now is going to end up playing uh, five games in the non-con. And then they're going to end up playing their regular 18 in conference. So you're at 23 games, right? So UD really couldn't miss. So if you look at the five games that they do have, you know you don't want to put a game on the schedule you think you're going to lose. And Ohio State certainly falls directly into that category because as we're looking down the schedule now at the game just just put on the schedule uh, as of yesterday, Alcorn State, SMU, Purdue Fort Wayne, Mississippi State, and then Old Miss. You're expecting to win the two games at home that are considered the buy games, Fort Wayne and Alcorn State. And then if you go 2-1 and in the other three games, that right there is a resume that is decent going into conference play that will get you in the NCAA tournament, is it not? It is. That's what I'm saying. So just in general, when you look at the whole picture – I think it's just worth reiterating time and again that the goal is not to put together the toughest schedule or the most competitive or the teams most like Dayton. They're simply just trying to navigate these waters so that we can get to the at-large line because you can't take for granted that the A-10 is a tough conference. can't win it every year. So your fallback option always has to be to grab an at-large seed. And frankly, I think they put together five games. that gives them a pretty good chance at doing that right now.
2: And I think you're right. I forget who the AD was, but it was an AD at a big E school. And he was discussing his, their philosophy of scheduling uh, non-conference games. And I think what he said is, is, is true as it is then, as it is now, is that you don't want to eliminate yourself before conference play starts. You know what Absolutely. I mean? You don't want to get too many, you don't want to take too many big shots and miss them all. Cause then you're blown, like you said, you're blowing your shot against these teams that probably line up what anywhere from 50 to 100 in ken palm that's that kind of sweet spot right where it's a decent win it's probably a name brand program it might not put you over the top as far as an ncaa t- tournament uh, resume is concerned but if you can rack up two or three of those wins um that at least it's kind of uh it's building towards something as opposed to uh you know some schools go out there and they'll they'll, they'll schedule over their head a lot of people said that's what richmond was doing this year correct uh, yeah. Before the whole COVID thing, they were taking a big swing. They really were. They were they were going for the home run, and that's good in the sense that if you think you got the squad, you got the depth, you got the the experience, you can you can win one one or two of those games, and those can be big shiny beacons on your resume at the end of the year. But if you if you take a bunch of punches and don't connect, then you you really kind of shot yourself in the foot, and you really got to do some work in the conference uh, schedule.
1: Yeah, and that couldn't be any more true than it is in the A-10 because you know, we talk about it all the time. You have to come into conference play with, in a normal year, let's say you know, 12, 13 games. If you have more than three losses, they better be some damn good losses <laughs> going into the conference play because you're screwed otherwise, right? Like, right now, yeah. And, and I'll list off a, a schedule from last year where this was relevant. Um, the team didn't end up being that good. I'm talking about Davidson. But Davidson kind of fell into this mold last year where they scheduled Auburn on a neutral court and then they went on the road to Charlotte in a game that they really didn't have any business putting on the schedule, but they've done this home and home, kept it loyal, right? Mm -hmm. So let's play out the same scenario. UD goes and plays Auburn on a neutral court and then they go and play a road game at Wright State,
2: a regional rival, right? Love Love it. Gem City Jam is back. I love it. Yeah.
1: Okay. So last year, Davidson lost both of those games. Charlotte snuck up on him in game two. In game one, they got handled pretty well by Auburn. I remember that was like. Yeah, like I do. A gam- I remember that ga- one. Yeah. Yeah. It was a gambling line of the night where they like Davidson was favored and I slammed that. Made a bunch of money that night. I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I took a victory lap on Twitter, which I very rarely do when, when it comes to betting, but I just knew that one was good. Um, but, you know, the, the point I'm bringing up is Davidson stayed loyal to to do their regional matchup with Charlotte and went to play an away game and then they took a swing at Auburn and frankly they missed both because they they took an unnecessary swing at an SEC school that didn't work out and then they took an unnecessary chance going on the road to fill a regional rivalry and if you ever wondered to yourself what's the reason Dayton doesn't play right State that's it right there there is always a chance that Dayton's going to drive down the streets of the Nutter Center, play Wright State, and take an L, and that would absolutely <laughs> obliterate their their at-large resume. I mean, it would.
2: In and, most years, yes, I think you're correct.
1: Yes, in most years. Last year, it wouldn't have because Wright State actually was was pretty pretty darn good last year. Credit where it's due. If Wright State people are listening and think we like hate Wright State, I don't hate Wright State. I just I, they're like the Browns to me as a Steelers fan. Like I just don't think about them much. You know, it's have you ever, not slight.
2: You, if I told you to to drive to Wright State's campus from Dayton, would you be able to do it from UD? Um, I have no idea where it is.
1: I think so. I think I've so. never I, even
2: I, seen a sign for Wright State.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. No. Yes. Yes. I would be able to drive there. Now that I think about it because I have to go past it on my way to campus from where I grew up in Pittsburgh. Like you have to go I 70 to six seventy five. Okay. And so, yes, I would be able to do it. I know that you would not, you know, and okay, here's my most famous one on campus is that you didn't know how to get to Wright state. Here's mine. I graduated from UD and I had no idea where cousin Vinny's was. No clue. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I had had upwards of a hundred cousin Vinny's pizzas in my four years. Well, that, and I no, no clue what, where that storefront was.
2: You know what? That's actually a good point because how many people actually enter the establishment itself? It's not known for uh visiting, you know, it's more known for two o'clock in the morning uh orders. So Wasn't there
1: just wasn't there just like a big crash where a kid got hit by a car going to cousin Vinny's like late night? That was a thing recently, wasn't
2: it? The kid, yeah, uh, I think he, I think he died of COVID though. They they figured it out.
1: Oh, okay, sorry, I got grim there. My bad. I, I wasn't <laughs> trying to make light of the situation. I just thought the you're kid right, was though. going. I thought it was a, a an accident. Where okay, never mind. We're gonna move on from that. But <laughs> I,
2: think, I think I think the story was. I think you're getting your your lines crossed. I think he told his his boys, "I'm going to cousin Vinny's," and then he went like the opposite direction and then, yeah, he got in the car. Then the rest of the story gets kind of weird and muddled, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's- sorry. So that was is it. involved. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. Cousin Vinny's was involved. That's why I brought it up. All right. I wasn't trying to make light of the situation or anything like
2: that. Yeah. Godspeed. Uh, Godspeed. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: but um, yeah, like, you know, so going back to the schedule, you know, it, we, we, that's how podcast works right there. You know, you, you go down that road and you keep going down that road and then you end up on a completely different road. Yeah. I love it. But, that's why UD doesn't take those chances in the non-con, and um, and frankly, they never will because they don't have to. and And this year just really wasn't any different. So I, I am looking forward to the games they have on the schedule, for what it's worth.
2: And, and you got to give Dayton credit; they always manage to get get themselves invited or volunteer for a, a decent, you know, early season tournament where there's an opportunity to play a Kansas or somebody like along those lines. You know what I mean? That's always been the way they kind of the the, the bread was butter with, with UD. It was always these tournaments around Thanksgiving, and yeah, if you if you win enough games, you might get a shot at a big boy, a free shot. You know what I mean, a free shot. So that that was always a key with that. Well, that was kind of
1: how the Maui tournament played out last year. Was exactly that yeah they yeah they they win it. They got into Maui. They got a couple of OK games to start off with, and then you know you win both of those, you get your shot at a big boy, and that was we came right on this show last year and said. Dayton Kansas was house money. No matter what happened in that game, win or lose, Dayton was going to come out with a favorable draw on Maui, and they did. You know, they barely lost in overtime, and unfortunately, we had to kind of hang our hat on that loss for the last, rest of the year. Because remember, right, but, like the big thing about our team last year was, oh, they
2: almost beat Kansas, right? That, <laughs> but but that's the point, right? That's the point. You get to kind of hang your hat on that, and the, the the non-believers, and as Sully, as you know, and I know. Around you know late February last year, where Dayton was really starting to emerge on the national scene, there were were a lot of kind of casual college basketball fans who were going, "How in the hell is University of Dayton, or I should say Dayton University, number three in the nation?" And they would break down the schedule. You could see it in real time on Twitter too. You know what I mean? Be like, "Oh yeah, I don't get it." You know they lost to Colorado, they lost to the Kansas. Blah blah. They haven't really beaten anybody, which is all true. But the fact that Dayton got a crack at Kansas on a neutral court. And more than held their own, it legitimized what they did later. And now it's the key. You get a shot at like that. Even if you don't win the game, you can build some credibility. Um, oh yeah. And I think that that was, that's kind of like an, another aspect of, of your non-con, right? You want to be able to, if you don't beat these teams, at least you want to give a good performance. And you know, not like, like you said. Uh, Davidson last year getting the doors blown off by Auburn that didn't help them at all it didn't help them. <laughs> yeah like,
0: that's what I I, well, I think that's it's where like it losing f-
2: twice you know losing yeah. to Auburn last year was like two losses that are is like not only did you lose you got your teeth kicked in so it's like two <laughs> losses. <laughs>
1: And that's, I think, what fans get tied up with when we consider these types of scenarios is that like every game that you go into on this non-con, you don't really consider the ramifications if you get your doors blown off like no fans really consider that. I'm the same way. Every time I go to a sporting event or like I travel out of town to go to a, a certain sporting event, I never consider what is going to happen to that entire weekend if my team really gets smoked. And losing a close game is one thing, but like, okay, here's a good example. Last year, I went to the Penn State Minnesota game up in Minnesota. Right? I really never considered how bad the weekend was going to be when they lost, and then they did lose, and I was like, I would like to fly home right this second. <laughs> I would really. Like to. So it's the exact same thing. Is like you put games on the schedule. That you are like so excited about, but you really don't as a fan think about what's going to happen if they lose. And, and to to bookend the discussion, I really do think that has been the brilliance of the, the UD Athletic Department. And Neil Sullivan specifically over the last couple of years is that he always puts Dayton in a position to have a resume they can win on. um, And he doesn't put unnecessary games on the schedule that would shoot Dayton in the foot. And those two aspects are honestly the most important, because if you miss either one, you know, like last year, Duquesne, they rolled into the conference schedule at like 10 and two or something like that. And they played no one and they weren't prepared for the A-10 slate. And then they dropped a lot of games. Um, and then, you know, Davidson's on the other end. They put together a really tough non-con schedule. They went into a 10 play at 6-6. Six and six. Like, you know, neither of those situations helps you. So it will always behoove a program like Dayton to land themselves right in the middle. So I appreciate everybody sticking around for that way too long-winded scheduling segment. But well, I need I to remind. Me. What's that? I, had,
2: I got one last question because you brought it up earlier, and it's been oh, yeah. in the back of my mind since you uh, brought no, it that's up. That's
1: why I bring you on the show because I never get asked questions on my own show, and that's <laughs> what, that's what really makes me shine here on this program.
2: So, you yeah. need to have more inquisitive people on the show. I've been telling you that for years. <laughs> yeah. You're knocking Drew no, now, or, No, don't no do that. More, no <laughs> more yes men. All you have, is, you surround yourself with yes men. So as you rise to <laughs> power, that's a that's a. That's a fallacy that a lot of powerful men do. They surround themselves with yes men. Don't do it.
1: It worked for coward, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so
2: my question is, you, d- you discussed the possibility of interviewing uh, Commissioner Bernie, as I call her. Oh, yeah. Power you, have to, you, you must query her and ask her, why is Dayton playing GW twice in four days?
1: <laughs> Not only that, but I did <laughs> I did start to write down random questions that pop into my head because I, I get the commissioner, it's looking like I got her once last year, and it's looking like it'll probably happen again once this year. Um the A10 conference is very kind to me, and frankly, they like the marketing, so they they'll reach out to me to to do the show because I don't know if you had heard. This is the number one podcast and radio show in the Atlantic 10 by listenership. Check the numbers. I got them. It, it's there. Okay. So with that that said. I get my shot once a year, it's looking like. And this year, my number one question was not why they're playing GW back to back in four days. That's absolutely ridiculous on its own. My question was the secondary fallout of that is why Richmond and UD are only playing one game this year. You knew damn well going into the conference year, going into this basketball season, that Dayton and Richmond were going to be the top four programs in the conference. You knew Richmond was a preseason front runner, you knew Dayton was going to be at the mix. they're going to be in the top half, regardless of how the season plays out. There is no effing way. Dayton finishes below six. There's just no way, okay, and the conference knows that they're not stupid, so you're telling me that you picked up all the best matchups that you could and then you just happened to place Dayton. And GW in the same pod playing a home and home. I mean that's preposterous. So <laughs> it is. It's preposterous. It's stupid scheduling. It's bad business. And frankly, it screws the conference out of an additional opportunity to have a national game on a national scale. And that is always what we're talking about. The A10 year in year out. You know, we want to get more recognition. We want to have more games on television. Well, how do you do that? You put your best teams up against each other. And the fact that they failed to do that this year, it needs to be answered for. And and that's what I hope to do on this program always is ask honest questions and get honest answers because I have a feeling I'm probably not going to like the answer or it's going to be something along the lines of like them being political and saying, well, we just took a look at it and it just didn't make sense. Well, you know what? That's stupid. Figure out how to have it make sense because to me as a fan, it's dumb and it's a wasted opportunity.
2: In, in in a sense, like you said, it's just bad business. Two things, it is bad business. Two things. Don't ever ask a question, demand an answer. Okay, that's a piece of advice. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, just on the radio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not in real life. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: but um, now I, I get exactly what you're saying. But a lot of the times, I always feel like conferences want to avoid some of their better teams possibly getting beat twice and adding, you know, instead of adding one loss to the uh, one. One number to the lost column, adding two numbers to the lost column. you think that you think that plays into it at all or no it's kind of like you're not necess- necessarily hiding teams but almost protecting them by only having a matchup once.
1: you know no, I don't think so um, but I do think like I don't think the a10 gives any thought to that whatsoever. Um, I, I think but... I think it'd be giving them too much credit to assume that. But what I will say, it is. I mean, it's just giving them a little bit too much credit. I'm just trying to call it like it is. Right. But what ends up happening every single year in the A-10 is there's one team that gets a home-and-home schedule inside the conference that's cake. And it happened last year. Do you you happen to remember which team it was that had a really cake conference schedule? Was it SLU? No, it was St. Bonaventure.
2: St. Bonnie's, Okay.
1: St. Bonaventure ended the conference slate at 11-7. and Okay. But they played Dayton once, they played VCU once, they played Rhode Island once. And then as I'm going down the schedule, I believe they played Richmond once as well. Yep, they played all those teams one time. And, and, and those were all the top teams in the conference as I was you know, going down the slate. And like I said, it's just for whatever reason ends up like that every year where there's always one team that stacks a bunch of wins like okay let me i'm gonna read off for you st bonaventure's wins in conference last year okay okay george washington twice george mason twice fordham twice umass duquesne st joe's twice and then richmond
2: (laughs) They beat all the bad teams. That is the most phony resume of all time. (laughs) I
1: mean, you know, you look at the conference standings last year St. Joe's, Fordham, Mason, George Washington. That was the bottom four of the league. And then UMass was um, right above LaSalle. So UMass uh, ended up being whatever that is, eighth. So in the bottom six teams in the conference, (laughs) St. Bonaventure gained 10 wins from the bottom six teams. I mean, that's, that's just preposterous.
0: So,
2: and, I, I, and again, like as, as, as to your point, I mean, that doesn't help out the bonnies at all. Racking up all these empty, it's empty calories, yeah. right? It means nothing at the end of the day. Yep. So it, it does, the, it does the bonnies a disservice. It does the league a disservice. And you're right. But again, you, you not, you know, Bernie doesn't have a crystal ball. She can't necessarily, you know, predict what's going to happen, how it's all going to shake out. But you're right going into this season it probably made sense for Dayton and Richmond to meet up at least twice.
1: Yeah. And that's the one one question that I, I will like really want answered when I talk to her. So that's coming down um, or coming up rather down the road right here on Talking Out Loud, your favorite Dayton podcast slash radio show. Um, wrapping up the scheduling segment, uh, I have to drop in uh, who it was brought to you by because he's been so kind to this program. Blackburn, important question for you. Do you need an automotive expert that you can trust?
2: Um, we all do, Sally. We all
1: that, do. That's exactly right. See, I kind of baited you into that. It, you're right. We all do. George at Mobile Use Car Inspections is your man in that case that you do need an automotive expert that you can trust. He's an ASE certified technician who specializes in pre-purchased inspections when you're buying a used car and performs certified and IRS qualified automotive appraisals for all insurance and legal purchases purposes. I mess that word up every time I do George's read, and I, it makes me feel really bad about myself that I can't say legal purposes.
2: Give him a read. What
1: George has been doing this for so long. OK, hold on. He's been doing it for so long that he has been doing this business since BG introduced us to the four man weave at the top of the key. OK, my God, man, it's been a while. So if your car has been totaled, but your settlement seems too low, you call George if your car has been hit and now it has a bad car report. Please call George. If you have any automotive questions whatsoever, call George. He's happy to provide free advice to Flyers fans anytime you email him, info at mobileinspections.com, or simply call 937-671-0768. One more time, George, mobileinspections.com at 937-671-0768. And our scheduling segment tonight was brought to you by George. So I thank you again, sir, and to Sherholtz Printing, who brought you this entire episode and Lee's Chicken, who continues to be a stalwart sponsor of the Talking Out Loud podcast. Finishing up this evening, we have a couple of rousing segments, not the least of which, Blackburn, is trivia, and I know you look forward to this segment every time that we do an episode. You ready? Uh, Play the music. Let's, Let's play the music. Play trivia. Okay, let's go. So we woke up this morning on November 25th, and there was absolutely no Dayton basketball. Can you confirm that to be true?
2: This is a fact, yes.
1: Okay, so my question to you for trivia tonight. When was the last time that the Dayton Flyers fan base woke up on November 25th with no Flyers basketball? It, you know, saying that the season hadn't started yet. I was too uh, eloquent, and I didn't get to the point. Yeah.
2: I will say 20... When did when did Archie get here? 20... 2012. 2012.
1: Well, 20, 2011 into the 2012
2: season. 2012 season, yeah. right? I will yeah. say... 2013?
1: Not close at all. 1996. <laughs> 1996. You know, um, I, I came up with this question for trivia tonight because I knew that the season had started over the years to just get pushed back further and further and further. And I remembered uh, during the Keith Wallace Kowski era, if you will, Brooks Hall era. They played out in Maui, and that was their first games of the season. And everybody knows the Maui tournament's almost always been played right before Thanksgiving. So it got me to thinking, when was the last time on November 25th that we had not started the season yet? And the 1997 season, so this would have been November 96, is your answer. Dayton opened up the season November 30th that year at home against Florida a and That was Oliver Purnell's third year. They gave Florida AM a sound 31 point shellacking, a good check, and a hot meal, and sent them home only to lose a 20-point thrashing to Miami of Ohio, not four days later at Millet Hall. Shame. Mm. Shame. Mm. Well, that's that's the era in a nutshell, really. Yeah. You know? They yep. finished that season 13 and 14. They were six and ten in the A-10 West. They really did nothing. Of, of of consequence, or, or you know, there was nothing. They lost to Xavier twice. Oh, no, wait, hold on. I'm scrolling through. Wait, they beat Xavier at home, and they, were tw- and they were ranked 12th in the country. That just goes to show you kids that don't know the rivalry, a really bad 13 and 14 Dayton team brought Xavier into the arena, who was 23 and 6 that year, and they beat him. Records didn't matter in that rivalry. You can tell them didn't matter. Throw them out. Dayton, Dayton Xavier play throw the records out. It was a bloodbath. Brooks Hall called it a war. Did you hear that?
2: <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. A, a, an absolute war.
1: Yeah, he went all Kellen Winslow on me. I was yeah. like, damn, that's you know. He, he, Were you like, like we, he got, was... we got
2: we got soldiers over in Iraq Dine today? You're talking about war.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brooks Brooks went real deep on that one, but I I respect it because that was how it was for me as a kid growing up. You know, like,
2: how about you saying it was a conflict or it was a skirmish?
1: Yeah, war's a little tough. Yeah, Nobody but sports dies.
2: sports gets tied into the war terminology since the you know, since it began. So it, it, Brooks gets a pass, obviously.
1: Yeah. Do you remember your first Dayton Xavier game on campus?
2: Oof. I do not. I do not. It would have been oh Per was Purnell there? Yeah, O two? were pretty good that year. He was still there, yeah. Was that Stanley's T stands senior year, maybe?
1: The two th- no that that would have oh, been a little bit earlier.
2: But so maybe little when he was I think it was the year he was gone. So oh, one, I think.
1: OK, oh, now that, Dayton was turning the corner because they, they got to the tournament there in uh, in 2000. So they lost
2: to the Purdue, correct?
1: Yeah, so that uh, yeah. So then that that 2000, 2001 season was when they opened up in Maui against right. Connecticut and Arizona and Maryland, Maryland, right? Yeah, so that was it was a turning point year, you know, and it was and if, and if you didn't know all about the history, go back. I got interviews with Keith Wallacekowski and Sean Finn and Brooks Hall. So you can hear three different perspectives on all those years here in Dayton. But go back and listen to them, Talking out loud podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, it's spelled L.O.W.D. Talking out loud. Finishing up here on the show tonight. Blackburn, it's no secret that it's the day before Thanksgiving coming to you live again, recording on Wednesday, November 25th, which happens to be the day before Thanksgiving this year. So I wanted to close out the show tonight with best and worst Thanksgiving dishes. And I I prepped you for the segment tonight. So I'm assuming that you came prepared with answers, but let's start with the best and then we'll get to the hot takes of the worst best Thanksgiving dish. What's the one you look forward to every year?
2: And this is a this is an easy one for me. I want the light. Uh, it's depending on, on your terminology or where you're from in the country. It's either the, it's stuffing or dressing. That's by far. <laughs> That's by far. But wait, I wait, wait.
1: It. Okay, hold on. Where's, where's the map? I want to see the map for who calls it dressing. Dressing is like ranch, Italian, Caesar. Who calls it dressing? Am I too my, northern to understand this? No, my grandma did.
2: Where, my where's grandma, she from? New York. What? Queens, New York. Well, he, here's here's the here's the where this is where de- delineation, right? Stuffing is when uh, this I learned this later. I did some research. Stuffing okay. is when you actually put it inside the bird, right? Right into its its like chest cavity, the hind parts. Sure. Yes, right, yeah. Up, yeah. right, right, right up right up, the up in there, in the, in right. the hole. Yeah. <laughs> right. Dressing, I guess, is when you kind of I've never seen one do this, but I've seen pictures of it where they kind of lay the stuffing outside of the bird like on the sides of the pan okay so you're dressing the bird with the stuffing i guess
1: but you're but telling it's, me it's the same stuff
2: yeah I, look i'm just saying it you know what i'm talking and i'm not talking about some homemade shit uh homemade stuff
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'll drop that it's fine don't
2: worry <laughs> i i'm talking about it's got to be out of the box stovetop it's got to be that don't okay th- don't bring me the, the your stuffing with, you know, raisins or weird stuff in it. <laughs> I want the stovetop. I want to cook exactly as the people at, I don't even know what company that is, whatever conglomerate uh, food company that is. However they set it out, I want the stovetop. That's it. That's the best part of Thanksgiving for me.
1: <laughs> um, so stovetop, I had to go looking for this, uh, but it's, it's a craft, uh, craft. craft. Okay. Yeah. People from
2: craft. Yes.
1: And, and I was going to say that, that leads me to remember, or this, uh, reminds me of a story from when I was a kid that, you know, I think we always in life, like we, we love consuming crap, whether it's, whether it's your junk food or your media, there's so many great things That's- out there. Be a podcast, Exactly. But people love consuming garbage. That's why Stephen A. Smith has such high ratings that, you know, like everybody knows what I mean out there. Okay. Like we love consuming garbage. That's why there's media outlets that can just spew whatever they want. Anyways, when I was a kid and you mentioned the stovetop and like, don't, don't make it homemade, just give you the stuff out of the box. My grandmother used to make a mac and cheese like from scratch like but, um, really yeah, literally made and well she wasn't Italian she was I, Welsh. I don't I don't know where she got the recipe from, but maybe people in Wales are making mac and cheese. I have no clue, but maybe maybe they're really good at it.
2: It would have to be sheep. I think they're big sheep people <laughs> <in Wales. laughs> yeah they are, they are
1: the big sheep and fishing people which like yeah. the mac and cheese thing that never added up to me neither sure. here nor there. My grandmother used to make a, a mac and cheese from scratch and as a kid growing up, My mom would always give me Kraft mac and cheese. So when we went to grandma's, my one complaint always was she makes that horrible mac and cheese from scratch. All I wanted was the stuff out of the box. You know, I just want the crap. Give me give me the crap. The
2: cheese, baby. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Like I want the powdered cheese (laughs) prison mac and cheese.
1: If you didn't grow up on powdered mac and cheese from Kraft, you can just drop this program right now. It's not for you. I promise. Never come back. Okay, so uh, it's stuffing for you as the best. Um, Flipping on the other side of the table. And this is going to shock a lot of people because it's a very unpopular opinion. But mine's pumpkin pie with with a little dollop of whipped cream. That's the one I look forward to all year. And here's why. I'm not a huge pumpkin guy. Like, don't give me those pumpkin spice lattes. That's garbage. If you drink that, it's so much sugar. It's just horrible. It's honestly like human gasoline. Just don't do it. But... pumpkin pie is one of those things you can only really have at Thanksgiving, you know, because what kind of look would you get if it was like during March madness and you were like, all right, tip off for March madness, ready to go. And like Blackburn, what are you eating over there? Just a little pumpkin pie. You know, it's really weird. Like you can only have pumpkin pie like one time of the year. So that's why it's always above everything else for me, because I think that I would, I would really face a lot of ridicule if someone caught me eating pumpkin pie at not Thanksgiving, you know, so few foods are like that.
2: I mean, do you, can you even get, I'm not a big. I'm not a pumpkin pie aficionado. Yeah. I'm more of a, I'm more of a pecan or a pecan man. <laughs> but can, can you get? Can you get pumpkin pie year round? I don't. I don't think so. I don't right. think so.
1: It's kind of but, like candy corn. Like it right, exists it just, for a couple of months and it just disappears off the earth.
2: So that's actually a very good one because it's specific to the hol- the actual Thanksgiving uh, time of of the year. Because you can eat. I can eat stuff in 365. If I want to. I don't know why I don't. Oh, yeah. But you just Apple you pie. choose. Yeah, yeah, I could eat. Yeah, but you're right with the pumpkin pie. It's kind of like authentically Thanksgiving E, if that's a word. Thanksgiving E. Yeah.
1: Like turkey breast. You could have that whatever, you know, turkey sandwich with gravy. That's a good right. lunch spot Any for day. anybody. You Any know? day you can do that, right? Everybody's mom makes a green bean casserole. You know, that's fine. Even though, you know, green bean casseroles are trash if you want hot food takes.
2: But That's, I very, just, that's a very Midwestern thing, by the way. Oh, green bean casserole? The green bean casserole, that's a huge miniway. I didn't know green bean casserole existed <laughs> until I met my old lady who's from Wisconsin.
1: <laughs> that was like me uh discovering grits for the first time. I was like Joe Pesci and my cousin Vinny. I was like, What's this? What what is this white stuff? You what did you
2: get up? You got a I got by. I got grits, but it, it does like Pesci's right in that movie. It does t- it'll take me forty five minutes. To make grits. And by that time, I don't even want them anymore. <laughs> yeah.
1: you're, you're telling me it takes you 15 minutes to cook your grits. It takes what? the entire grit eating world. 20 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> That's how I feel all the time. It's like I, I had grits for the first time when I was actually in the Dayton Marriott as a little kid. And and I remember looking at it very puzzled because I was I was probably like 12 years old. I was like, what, what the heck is this white stuff in front of me? All right. Uh, second part of the segment, worst Thanksgiving dish. What is it?
2: This, this is, this kind of might blow your mind a little bit, but I'm going to say the actual Turkey itself. <laughs> listen, okay. Listen, no,
1: here, though, it, now you could, you I, you can get me on your side or you can completely alienate me depending on which part of the bird you're going with here.
2: Okay. Here, here's my hypothesis and is that thank the actual Thanksgiving dinner the bird, although the bird might be the star of the show, it's really the supporting cast that you appreciate. It's a very sides-driven meal. Yeah, I agree. Whatever whenever I mean Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, I'm always like, you know what? I'm going to save some room for some more stuffing, some more green bean casserole, some more mashed potatoes, some more dressing.
1: Sweet potatoes with marshmallows right. to get that. I
2: will, I will forego an extra slice or two of turkey just for another scoop of mashed potatoes Or stuffing. So in in that way, when you think about the big picture, as far as how the meal lines up, turkey, in my mind, is actually the least vital. Because what do other people do? Do other people, other cultures, do they eat like ham on on Thanksgiving or is it always turkey? I don't even know. I think people are
1: starting in this 2020 age where everyone's just realizing that the possibilities are endless, that people are moving to ham. It's my understanding.
2: That's what I'm saying. So... It it, it's become clear to me over my lifetime that the turkey is the least relevant, the least important part of the meal. It is the centerpiece. I'll grant you that, but it's the support. It's the offensive line, if you will, of the meal. That is the key. The the meal is one in the trenches.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I will will wholeheartedly agree with you that Thanksgiving is a very sides driven meal. Um, I think that's what I like about it, because if you you know, we're all going to have a lot of pictures of Thanksgiving plates on Thursday, they're going to be out there and they're going to be a little bit different because not everybody's traveling for Thanksgiving, myself included. But the turkey should be about 10% of your plate. And if it's more than that, I can't trust you. Okay, but where you were going to lose me there is if you said like dark meat, because I'm a big dark meat guy. You know uh, it, I nothing, stay away. I don't mess nothing, with dark meat oh, there's nothing better than dunking dark meat into some gravy. There's nothing better oh. than that anyway, but,
2: like, but again, I, I think you're you're picking up what I'm putting down here oh I get it is that is that the reason people get so stuffed on Thanksgiving is because they're eating so much damn turkey it's because they're they're eating so many sides. Because the sides, you know, it's a scoop here, scoop there. You know, I have another scoop of that. No one's going. No one's going like, yeah, keep those slices of turkey coming. You know, let me let me get twenty stacks, like a you know, <laughs> a, a high a, a, a tall stack of pancakes on my plate. No, it's all the scoops you're sneaking from. You know, like you said, the, the potatoes, the uh, the the gravy, the stuffing, the cranberry sauce, and again, the cranberry sauce. I think this is universal at this point. It's got to be the dog food stuff, the stuff that looks, you know, comes out and it comes like,
1: oh. yeah, out of the can that, that comes out in the in the can shape, and then you have to like <laughs> yes. mat it down so it yes. gets flatter. Yeah, Th-
2: that is the best. Yeah, <laughs> but again, so you know what? Forget the turkey. The turkey, it, it's appreciated, but I can eat turkey any day, and it's really it's a sides-driven meal. So the turkey is is to me is the least, uh, my least favorite part. I think.
1: Okay, that's fair, and, and I'll, I'll even double that down to say on Friday, when you're doing the whole leftover meal, there's always like the biggest Tupperware container has turkey in it, and everybody's eating turkey sandwiches for like the next week afterwards, but that Friday, there's never a shortage of turkey, and it's always like slim pickings on the mashed potatoes, yep. you know? Yep. So I think I'd, I'd have to agree with you. Mine is fairly simple, and you just alluded to it. It's the cranberry sauce. I never, I never really understood why cranberry sauce mixes its way into the meal, and my reasoning is pretty solid, okay? I, I've been thinking about this for years to formulate an argument against cranberry sauce. I'm a guy that doesn't like my sides to mix all that much, okay? Like, I eat one thing at a time. Like, I'll eat my turkey, and then I'll eat my mashed potatoes, and I'll get to the green beans. You know, I'll just kind of work my way around. I literally do. I do one thing at a time, okay?
2: That's, that's called autistic eating.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's me in a nutshell. I got, <laughs> got a little bit of that in the background. Okay, so so the cranberries always like I hate because it just mixes up and it's a flavor that really doesn't fit with the rest of the flavors on the plate. It's like, Ugh. all right, we got a starch here, we got some veggies here, we got some turkey here. All right, actually, here's a scoop of crappy fruit. Like, wait, why? Like, I'm a big fruit guy. I, I just don't really understand why I'm eating cranberries for dinner. I've never had cranberries even in the morning when I'm supposed to be eating fruit. Why am I eating them for dinner?
2: That's a good point. That is, you know, that's a fair, that's a fair criticism. I can't even, I can't even knock it. (laughs)
1: Well, that's why I said, I I mean, I've been thinking about this for years. Okay. And that was the perfect way to close up the show tonight because again, topical. And if we're going to do a show weekly, uh, this is you know this is a topical subject. We're we're on about the most consistent schedule that we've ever been on here for the podcast. So I'm, I'm proud of all of us. I know I'm very proud of all of us. Blackburn, it's unfortunately that time to close it up, and you get your final thoughts for the night. And you know you, you can make it as long or as short as you want. But what are your final thoughts for Flyer Nation this evening?
2: Well, uh, you know my final thought is this: it's a it's officially time now. You know we had the the NBA draft. And for a lot of us, it was the first time we watched the NBA draft since like the mid '90s, yeah, because we saw oh. we thought we saw our guy get drafted. Oh no, but, I
1: watched the coast this draft just for the hilarity of
2: it, <laughs> for Be the fair. novelty of it. Yeah. Be fair, but it's officially time now, I think. Um, and look, everybody's different, but for me personally, I, and my wish for the the UD Flyer Nation is to close the door now on the Ob Toppin book, close the the book on his, uh, you know. Gone, but not forgotten, but it is time this is a new there's a new team uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a different kind of year obviously and uh it, it's time to move on move forward and uh yeah it, it's it's over and it's a, a new era is here so be excited about that
1: yeah i I would have to agree, and i think that's the perfect place to end the show tonight um i've said on this program a few times recently that the the hurt of last year, it, it took a while to wear off for all of us, uh, even the most cynical Flyers fans. You know, they had some hurt in their heart about how 2020 ended and, and that'll always be there. And the one thing that I've reiterated to people that when you meet new faces as Dayton Flyer fans, y- you can't be surprised when the first things out of their mouth when they meet a new Dayton Flyers fan. Sorry, if you meet strangers that meet Dayton Flyers fans for the first time, the first thing out of their mouth is going to be, oh, you know, I'm sorry for 2020. So as long as you out there, Dayton Flyers fan are okay with that being our existence moving forward, it is time, like my colleague has said, uh, to close the book on 2020, on OB Toppin, on all the great things that happened last year and all the bad things that happened. Because while last year was so great, it will always be hollow because there's not a whole lot to point to it um, as far as moments on the court. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of close games. There wasn't a whole lot of signature moments. and I, for one, am happy to end this show, putting that season in the rearview mirror, because it's time to move on and move forward. And thankfully, by the time we come to you next week, we will have had a game in the books for the Dayton Flyers. So I am going to sign off for now, and we'll come back to you with a short episode on Twitter at Selling My Good Name or at Talking Out Loud. The day of the game, I'll give you everything you need to know in a little five-minute bit. Um, but if you don't want to listen to that, that's fine. We'll be right back here on ESPN radio and doing the podcast next Thursday. You're gonna find a new episode. You can always catch us on ESPN 1410 Dayton uh Thursday evenings from six to seven. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, for if you're listening on the radio tonight, uh, for the episode that we pushed up because of the holiday uh for Blackburn. I'm Sully. We'll come back to you next week. Really looking forward to the game against Alcorn State. Never thought I would say that, but. Before I take them out and play a uh, Real Big Fish beer, a couple people asked me what that song was. It's Beer by Real Big Fish. We're gonna we're gonna play it every time I close the show out. Not if you're listening on the radio. Sorry, you get no music. But if that's why you should go listen to the podcast because we have music and fun stuff that we do, and I kind of make it longer. But anyways, Blackburn, give them the two rules, and we'll take them out of here.
2: You gotta wear red and and be loud.
1: That's it. Catch you next week.
0: Never Guess he changed her mind. Well, I should have known it. Wouldn't be alright.